our elevation is an elevation in Christ, and therefore it's also an elevation that comes by suffering. We are lifted up as Jesus was lifted up, not by avoiding the cross, not by striving and scrambling for our own advantage, but rather we're lifted up by sharing in Christ's sufferings and and taking up our cross and following him. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 133 of the Theopolis Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Motes, and I'm assistant to Peter Lightheart, the president of Theopolis Institute. Theopolis Institute trains men and women to lead cultural renewal by renewing the church. Participants in our programs will learn to read the Bible imaginatively, worship God faithfully, and engage the culture intelligently. In this episode, Peter Lightheart is going to discuss the texts for the fourth Sunday in Lent. We hope that you enjoy this conversation over these passages, and as always, thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the Theopolis Podcast. This is Peter Lightheart. I'm here with Brian Motes, and today we are discussing the readings for the fourth Sunday in Lent in 2018. The fourth Sunday is March 11th, this upcoming Sunday, and the readings that we have listed for this Sunday are Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9, uh, the story of the bronze serpent in the wilderness, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, and then a portion of Jesus' discussion with Nicodemus in John 3, verses 14 through 21. And this is, um, I think what unites these different passages is a theme of ascension or elevation, which is uh, somewhat surprising given the character of Lent. Uh, Think of Lent as a period of humiliation, uh, if there's a direction to Lent, it's downward until we get to the good news of the resurrection and Easter and then uh, leading up to the ascension of Jesus. Uh, but uh, what the lectionary readings are picking up on is a theme that really comes out in John's Gospel, as we'll see, that uh, the cross itself and Jesus' sufferings are part of his ascent. Jesus goes to the cross as the one who's as one who's returning to the Father and for Jesus, in John's gospel, the, uh, Jesus uh, is particularly concerned for his, the, the manner of his death, that he's, he dies not stoned, not buried, but he dies on a cross where he can be lifted up and draw all men to himself, and all men to himself. And we have that theme running through all of the passages uh, from Numbers to Ephesians to the gospel of John. The most obvious link is between Numbers 21 and John 3, which are about the same uh, event. At least Jesus alludes to this event in the wilderness when he's talking to Nicodemus. Um, Numbers 21 is uh, a part of a new phase of Israel's experience of the wilderness. Uh, at the end of chapter 20, Aaron the high priest dies. Uh, Aaron has been with uh, Israel and been the high priest since the time of uh, that they were came out of Egypt and set up the tabernacle at the foot of Mount Sinai. And throughout the wilderness wanderings, they, he's been the high priest. But now he dies, and his high priesthood is transferred to his son Eliezer. And that's not just the change of uh, priesthood, but it's a it's a significant moment in Israel's sojourn in the wilderness. The death of the high priest in the in the law is a always a, a significant event. Uh, when a high priest dies, that is taken as a cleansing of the land that uh, enables people who have shed innocent blood to come out of their cities cities of refuge and to return to their homes. 
that's the rule that's given later in Numbers, that uh, anyone who's shed blood on the land, not committed a murder, but shed blood without intent, shed blood through manslaughter, still has to suffer some restraint, and that involves going to a city of refuge, being tried at the city of refuge. If it's found that he's not guilty of murder, then he's admitted to the city of refuge, and he remains in the city of refuge until the high priest dies. Um, but this is the first instance we have of the death of a high priest, and it's Aaron. And immediately after the high priest dies, we have uh, the beginnings of the conquest. We have uh, Israel fight uh, uh, the king of Arad, uh, a Canaanite king, at the beginning of chapter 21. Later in chapter 21, we have Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan. If you sing any psalms that have Og in them, you have to say it that way. That's the way it's, that's the Theopolitan way to say the name Og. Sion and Og appear in a number of Psalms because they are the first kings that are conquered by Israel when they're coming into the land. There's Israel still on the Transjordan. They're still on the east side of the Jordan. Some of the tribes are going to settle there. Uh, and the conquest begins there before they ever start, before they ever cross the Jordan. The conquest starts in the Transjordan with the triumph over Sion and Og. So that's happening uh, at this time in Israel's history. And so we have this great transition, a, a victory over the Canaanites that ends with a, uh, the city being utterly destroyed. It's a carrying out of the uh, harem warfare of the, of the ban. And the place, name of the place is called Horma because of that. And immediately after that, we have the incident of the, uh, of the serpents that attack Israel and the lifting up the bronze servant, serpent that uh, heals them. So this is another example of a recurring theme in Exodus and Numbers. Whenever Israel goes through a moment of deliverance, they're immediately threatened, they're immediately uh, deprived, and very often they immediately fall. As soon as they get the tabernacle set up, uh, Nadab and Abihu go in and uh, take strange fire before the Lord, and they're killed because of that. Um, they've uh, uh, When uh, Israel, even before that, when Israel comes across the, comes through the Red Sea, uh, almost immediately they're confronted by the Amalekites and they have to fight off the Amalekites. And then uh, when they, uh, they uh, get out into the wilderness and they don't have food, they don't have water. So every time they have this great deliverance, there's always something just on the heels of it that, uh, that threatens them. Um, and uh, there's a, that's, that's a recurring pattern because that's a recurring pattern of God's dealings with his church. Um, every great victory in the church is followed by uh, great temptations, and we need to be prepared. Not, not to, we can't uh, uh, become complacent and uh, just uh, try to uh, try to slide in after we gain some great uh, advance. But we have to be ready for a new temptation. That's what happens here. Uh, Aaron dies. They're released from the wilderness, which is functionally a city of refuge. They're about to go back, uh, not back, but they're about to go into the land that was promised to them. Uh, and just at that moment, they're without food and water again. And instead of trusting the Lord and remembering that the Lord has provided food and water in the past, they begin to grumble and complain. And the Lord sends serpents among them, fiery serpents, seraph serpents, uh, who bite them and uh, who are uh, uh, they're deadly uh, vipers that are killing the people. Obviously, there are Edenic overtones here. You have uh, a, uh, a complaint against God and uh, a, an attack by serpents. 
But interestingly, we also have a serpent that is a savior. The bronze serpent is lifted up as a standard, and when people look to the bronze serpent, they're delivered from the snake bite that they received. Um, there's a uh, there's a transfer here um, that uh, I think is the basis for what Jesus will say to Nicodemus. Then the the, uh, the, the uh, transfer of the of the poison of the snake bites uh, to the healing of the of the bronze serpent. When Jesus talks about this, he he describes himself as being like the serpent in the wilderness, who must be lifted up. When he's lifted up, men will look to him, and they'll be healed of the uh, poison that they've received from uh, Satan, ultimately, uh, the poison that's in them by their own sin. And Jesus describes himself as being like the serpent in the wilderness who is lifted up so that they can look at him. Uh, there's uh, almost a kind of imputation going on here that uh, Jesus is taking the place of that serpent. Uh, he's being... Uh, he's standing in the role of that serpent, and he do, he's lifted up, not in order to kill, but in order to heal. Uh, there's in in John three. There's this overlap, though, with uh, uh, Numbers twenty one as part of the background. But uh, Jesus also talks about the lifting up, his his lifting up on the cross as being uh, the lifting up of the Son of Man. Uh, that's uh, referring back to Daniel seven. Daniel seven is the vision that Daniel has of the beasts coming up out of the sea. Sees a series of four beasts. They represent the four empires of the late ancient world, and then those beasts are overcome, and the tr- their power and dominion is transferred from the beasts to a man, a new Adam, and that new man is uh, uh, described as being like the Son of Man, and he ascends on clouds to receive dominion in his kingdom. Uh, he's lifted up in order to rule, and when Jesus says that. Uh, uh, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's combining those two passages. Jesus is being lifted up like the serpent in the wilderness, uh, removing the sting of Satan from his people by, uh, as it were, suffering the serpent's fate. Uh, but he's also being lifted up as the Son of Man who is being elevated in order to uh, gain dominion. And that's the way that Jesus later talks about his being lifted up on the cross in John 12, right at the center of the gospel. Uh, Jesus said, um, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, he says, uh, I'll be, when I'm lifted up, uh, uh, I will bring all men to myself. I, he, has to, he has to die uh, elevated from the ground because his death is the beginning of his return to the Father. Uh, he says this in John 12, 31 and following, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world is cast out. Jesus, as being lifted up like the serpent in the wilderness, is actually casting out Satan. It's not the triumph of Satan. And if I, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die, John tells us. So he's lifted up from the earth to draw all men to himself. He's lifted up from the earth as the Son of Man in order to receive dominion and a kingdom. Um, so uh, that's the uh, connection that Jesus is drawing there. He's he's like the serpent, but he's also like the uh, he's also like the Son of Man in Daniel. Uh, Ephesians two, which uh, is our epistle lesson, doesn't refer to this event either to the prophecy of Daniel directly or to the uh, incident in the wilderness with the serpent, uh, the serpents and the bronze serpent. But it still is consistent with these things because it's talking about a uh, an elevation. The, uh, 
just before chapter 2 begins, Paul has uh, described Jesus' own elevation, that Jesus has been raised up and seated in heavenly places above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that's named. There may be a, a, some kind of distant allusion to, to Daniel 7. Jesus is the one who now has entered into this dominion and, uh, the, and he has all things in subjected under his feet. But then chapter 2 begins by talking about us, dead in our trespasses and sins. Uh, we're in a grave. We're working, walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the power of the air, servants of Satan rather than servants of the Lord, living in the lusts of the flesh. And as Paul goes on, he describes how God in his grace has delivered us from that death in sin, made us alive together with Christ. We share in Christ's resurrection power. And that resurrection power raises us up from the, our death in trespasses and sins. But that's not the end of the elevation. The end of the elevation is that we are raised with Christ, seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come we might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So the, the, uh, the movement uh, of Ephesians 2 is from the grave, not just to new life, but it's from the grave uh, up to heavenly places. It's from under the earth, as it were, up to heavenly places. Uh, that's the lifting up. Uh, and again, this is the chapter doesn't uh, directly refer to either the incident in Numbers or to Daniel 7, but it's describing the same kind of movement. And I think the, if we put these passages together, I think we can draw the conclusion that our elevation is an elevation in Christ. It's an elevation with Christ. And therefore, it's also an elevation that comes by suffering. Uh, we're, we are lifted up as Jesus was lifted up, uh, not by uh, avoiding the cross, not by uh, uh, striving and scrambling for our own advantage, but rather we're lifted up by becoming a servant of all, by, we're lifted up by uh, sharing in Christ's sufferings and, and taking up our cross and following him. So I think that uh, all of this, when, when we put all these passages together, we can see that it's there is a Lenten theme running through here, but it's a Lenten kind of elevation. Uh, Lent is not a uh, it's a it's a uh, call to humiliation in a sense. It's a call to humility, but that humility in Scripture is always a preparation for uh, elevation. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, uh, we're acknowledging our lowness before Him, and at the same time we're asking him to raise us up and elevate us. Thank you again for enjoying this episode of the Theopolis Podcast. For more information and for more content from Theopolis, you can check us out online at theopolisinstitute.com. We release new articles every Tuesday and Thursday on our blog, so you'll want to make sure to look out for those. You can also find us on Twitter at underscore Theopolis and on Facebook if you just search for our name. If you've been helped, sharpened, and encouraged by this podcast, we'd really love it if you would go to iTunes and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds, and it really will help us along in getting our content in front of new listeners. That's all for now, friends. We really look forward to being with you all again in the next episode. And as always, thank you so much for listening.